Hey there, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. So last week I talked about curiosity part one. I shared about how my friend Jen had come over and shared some concerns with me about me. And I said that um, at the end of our conversation, I shared what I was up to and it struck her as the next right move to be running the experiment that I'm running right now. So I want to tell you about that in this week's vlog and to talk all about how this amazing topic of curiosity is at the center of it and how curiosity suddenly in my life has become the key that unlocks everything. It's astounding. So... It started off a couple weeks ago, I was eating. And I cannot even tell you how tired I am of breaking my bright lines. I am so tired of it. And the fact that my lines are bright 95% of the days doesn't really impress me that much, doesn't help. Because for me, the consequences are extreme when I break my lines. And honestly, I'm tired of it and I don't have time for it. And as my friend Jen pointed out to me, I'm not the person that I need to be and that I truly am when I'm engaged in a back and forth experience of breaking my bright lines. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't serve me. Luckily, I don't have shame around it. I don't beat myself up about it. I've grown in all kinds of ways but the breaking of the lines is still there and it's still a problem. I thought it was done with Reboot Resume. I had this stretch of months and months and months of consecutive bright lines. And then over the last couple months, twice for not an insignificant stretch of days, I've broken my lines again. Seriously, like I thought the Reboot Resume framework had solved that. <laughs> I mean, it did for a period of time. Ugh. So a couple weeks ago, I was, um, maybe two and a half weeks ago, I was literally at my wit's end on my knees, just saying, God, what? I will, I will do whatever. Like what? Guide me. I am completely surrendered. And over a series of hours, maybe a day and a half of hours, one hour at a moment, you know, as they unfolded, I got led to do something radical. I got led to take the Brightline Freedom course, which, as happenstance would have it, we were offering right then. And it's the only course we offer around here that I don't teach. It's like a course that I could actually take <laughs> as a participant and just plug in from the bottom. And that's one of the things that I lament about a lot around here is that I don't get to just take our courses as a participant. Um, I mean, I could. And people have suggested, and I've tried, sign up with an alias and take it as an alias, at which point I get into the Facebook group and the first thing I realize is I'm not a faker. I can't, what do I say if I'm not going to be me? I can't, <laughs> like, in five seconds you can see how that wouldn't work, right? Like, what am I going to say? Uh, something other than what's true? I don't, I don't, I don't, homie don't play that, right? So that didn't work. Um, anyway, but this course I could take as a participant. Everett Considine leads it and um, does a phenomenal job. So I signed up for the course. My lines got bright again. That's all right. I can do that. I know how to get my lines bright again. 
keeping them bright for a long stretch is what is eluding me over the last few years. <sighs> and Everett started teaching this parts work framework, which I know I have been teaching it with him because I learned it from him about the parts map, the BLE parts map and our highest self, which is not a part, that's us when we're calm and clear and confident and courageous and curious and compassionate, all those beautiful C words. And then the parts, the wounded child, the food controller, the food indulger, the inner critic, the isolator. So what's happened for me since I signed up for this course and since I committed myself to really doing it is nothing short of miraculous. I'll give you an example. The stretch of days since I signed up for the course has been anything but um, easy sailing. It's been a rough stretch of days. Just, you know, lots happening. Mainly in the family. Our daughter Zoe, go, you know, going through her occasional temper tantrums and um, I don't know what else. What else has been hard? A lot of work stuff, um, travel. Anyway, you know, the usual suspects, right? I was sitting uh, in a meeting and this woman started talking about food that she, that she wanted to eat, food that she had been eating. And um, the food triggered a thought in my head like, oh, yeah, I like that food. And suddenly it, it was a stressful day. I will say I was sitting there with an enormous amount of overwhelm going on about stuff in general. And, and this part of me was like, oh, yeah, I want to eat like a binge would be really good tonight. And it started to hatch the plan of exactly what to eat and when and how. That's a big red flag. So I noticed this switch flip inside me of like, oh, I'm going to eat tonight and this plan hatching. And I got curious. I was really curious. Like I didn't know what I would find as I dropped inside. I just, even though I was still in a meeting with people, I just dropped inside. I took a deep breath and I dropped right into my chest and I was curious what I would find. And what I found was, for the first time, I touched into the wounded little girl part of me that gets hurt when I eat. It hurts her. She gets abused by it. And she had noticed that this other part of me had decided to eat again, and she was upset by it. She was, like, hysterical. She was like, this is how it starts, and the eating's going to come, and you know, it's awful and I don't want to live like that and I can't handle it. Like it's so awful when the eating happens and just make it stop. And I swooped in, me, my highest self, Susan, who is a super maternal, compassionate, caring person. I swooped in and I listened to her and I held her. I did exactly what I would do with one of my daughters who was freaked out having a nightmare or something. I just said, oh, honey, you're so scared, aren't you? And she just said, yeah, I'm so scared. I don't want to eat. I don't want the eating to happen. And I just held her. And 
it just melted. Like the desire to eat was suddenly like a little shaving of ice on a hot blacktop driveway in the summer. It just melted. By the time that meeting was over, I'd forgotten that I ever wanted to eat. I didn't want to eat anymore. I went home, had my evening, got to bed early. It was gone. I was in the shower two days later, and I felt stirred up. I've learned that if I'm ever not in the seas of my highest self, like me at my best, calm, curious, compassionate, courageous, creative, confident, if I'm not in that place, which I am most of the time, but if I'm not, my job is to get curious. So I was in the shower and I started to feel anxious and like something was bubbling. I had no idea what it was, like zero, no idea. At that particular moment, there wasn't any work stress on me in particular. I had no idea what was going on for me. So I got curious. I was in the shower. I turned off the music. I sat down to a seated position in the shower. I took a couple deep breaths and I just went inside and I just, I was just curious, like, what is it? I have no idea. And I found this part of me who's physically impacted when I'm sedentary, when I don't exercise for month upon month upon month. And again, she was a little girl and she said, I can't breathe. It's like my chest is all hunched over and I'm like <gasps> trying to take a breath and I can't stretch the way I used to stretch. I'm not limber. And she was, she was like this little girl who was upset about her body not working the way she wants it to work and she couldn't breathe. And then I found this like teenager cult part that like was like, raring to go. She's like, I want to run. Like, can we just run? We used to run. I miss running. And she was like, a, you know, those horses that race and they keep them in the, in that little confined, you know, box before they race. Right. So they'll get all like itchy to run fast out of the gate. She was like that. She was just like full of this energy. And then there was this manager part, literally with a clipboard and a super tight bun, who was like, no, 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 no. We are not starting any exercise until we know exactly what the system will be, exactly what the system will be and how we're going to track it and how we're going to gamify it. And Susan's traveling next week. You know, it's not a good time to start exercise. She's traveling. It always falls apart when she travels. So there's no exercise happening until she's back from all of her trips, which isn't until September. So you all need to just be quiet because it doesn't make sense to start exercise until we know that we can get a good stretch under our belt without any trips happening. And she was the exercise controller part. <laughs> and then there was this like, like, do you know the dude from The Big Lebowski? He was like, um, do you know how hard we work, dude? Like, we just need to lay on the couch a little bit. Could you all just friggin' chill out about this exercise idea? Because, like, we work too much and, like, going to run around is, like, not what we need to be doing. <laughs> and I just observed all these parts. I was like, okay, there's my little exercise constellation. Um, now, if you're thinking that I'm a whack job as I say all this, uh, you're not alone. Of course, you think that, right? 
um, our society has um, pathologized the notion of, of parts, of multiplicity of mind. Um, there were movies, you know, The Many Faces of Eve and Sybil and all these very popular, famous Hollywood movies from decades ago that popularized the notion of the pathology of parts. And of course, there's a diagnosis, right? Dissociative identity disorder used to be known as multiple personality disorder, which is a diagnosis. So um, the layperson in today's society believes that a healthy person is unified inside and a crazy person is multiple inside. Like only whack jobs are have multiple personalities, like multiple parts inside. That's a sign of like true mental disorder. Turns out that's not true. Turns out everybody has parts inside. Socrates said it best. Like, let me just name some of the theorists who said carte blanche inside every human being, there are multiple parts. Socrates, Plato, Carl Jung, Sigmund Freud, Friedrich Nietzsche, William James, the founder of American psychology, on and on and on. Okay, so just saying, Socrates said it best. One mind cannot both want and not want at the same time. Therefore, we are all at least two, <laughs> right? And the food addict can relate to this. Who doesn't both want and not want cake? Not and not want, want and not want pizza, right? Like, of course, we can relate to the experience of wanting and not wanting at the same time. The wanting is the food indulger. The not wanting is the food controller, right? So yeah, anyway. In a healthy psyche, the parts are just more living more harmoniously. They're more similar to each other. They're less disruptive. And so often the person doesn't even notice that there are parts. But enter curiosity. Enter curiosity. And if we get curious about our parts and we stop and listen and even name them and like kind of ask them what they're thinking and feeling, what I found is remarkable things happen. And for me in the environment that I live in these days, the last four and a half years, coming up on five years since Brightline Eating has existed, I've been doing this 16 years. I didn't even mention to you my 16 year anniversary came and went. That was May 21st. I had 16 years doing my best one day at a time to put my food on the scale and not eat sugar and flour, weigh and measure every bite, and uh, three meals a day. I've been doing that for 16 years, an average of 96 point something percent of the days, perfectly. Um, imperfectly perfect, to the best of my ability, one day at a time for 16 years. And Brightline Eating has existed on August 5th, it'll be five years. And so in this brave new world of this Brightline Eating movement, this environment with the heightened travel, still the three young kids, all the duties of the house of a wife and mother and um, now hiring and firing and, you know, building a team and um, traveling because unfortunately in the world of online business, there's no education or really mentorship for how to do it. That's not in, encased in a, um, a traveling experience. You got to travel to these events and mastermind groups and stuff like that to, to get 
information on how to do it. I don't know how to do this. I'm a psychology professor. So anyway, in this brave new world, um, the irony of ironies of my life is starting the Bright Line Eating movement has made it incredibly difficult for me personally to keep my bright lines as flawlessly as I did before when my life was very staid and predictable and sedentary and so forth. And enter Bright Line Freedom and curiosity about my parts. Now we will see what we will see. I don't know if this is going to do any better than any of the other approaches I've tried to keep my lines bright consecutively. I do know that so far being curious about my parts has melted any desire to eat off plan like a piece of ice shavings on a blacktop driveway hot in the hot summer. Like it's just melted it on contact. All I seem to have to do is remain willing to be curious, which isn't that hard for me because I am curious. Like I'm super curious, right? Like, I mean, first of all, whose favorite subject isn't themselves? I'm curious about what's going on inside of me. Um, I find it fascinating. And the fact that these parts respond so beautifully to me just being there, you know, uh, it's adorable. It's so sweet. They just need my presence and I can give that to them. And then it helps. It's, a, it's like magic. I'll end with this. About a week ago, I had the most powerful experience with my daughter, Zoe. My daughter, Zoe, is, um, she's our most, our most challenging daughter, our most intense daughter. And um, she's lots of people's favorite because she's such an underdog. People root for her. You know, she was the one in the, you know, my daughters, Alexis and Zoe, our twins, were born um, micro preemies. Uh, I was five and a half months pregnant when they came and Zoe weighed one pound, six ounces and um, was this close to dying probably five times in the four months that she spent in intensive care after she was born with um, multiple diseases that should have killed her, like, you know, like fatal, like usually take the preemies out, like necrotizing enterocolitis where your the lining of your intestines erodes away and your intestines just merge in with your stomach cavity like this this um gut eating disease she survived it i don't even know how she survived it anyway so zoe was acting out the other day and i started naming her parts i got curious about the parts inside of her and whether she would respond to the sort of parts work that i've been doing and i was like hey you're in your terrorist part. She was terrorizing her sister Maya, like with a tennis racket and like, you know, stealing her stuffed animals and running away and just terrorizing. And I said, hey, your terrorist part is coming out. And uh, she said, you know, um, Maya does more to me than I do her to her and Maya this and Maya never this and Maya always this and no one ever blames Maya and it's always blaming me. And, and I said, oh, your blamer part <laughs> is here. And, and then when I said that, she kind of looked at me and I said, is your blamer part keeping a record of everything Maya's done against you? Like since the beginning of time, do you like have a list? Your blamer part, does it have a list? And she was like, <laughs> and I was like, what else did I say? At some point I asked her if she could put her blamer part over there. And she took her blamer part out and put it over there. And then I just talked with Zoe. 
That's, that's what we do sometimes in, um, in parts work and IFS, we unblend from our part. We'll literally take it out of our body and set it aside. She did it with no problem. She's like, Pfft. and I was like, now I'm just talking to Zoe. I can tell because you're clear and confident and curious. I can see when you're curious because I ask you a question and your eyes light up because you're curious about what I'm going to say. And she was like, yeah, yeah. And then she said, in the tiniest little voice, I could almost not hear her. I feel bad about how I treat Maya, and I've never told her, and she doesn't know. And she said a bunch of other stuff, too, in baby talk that I couldn't really hear. And I was like, whoa, that was important what you just said. I'm going to repeat it back to you just to make sure I got it. Did you just say that you feel bad about how you treat Maya, and you've never told her, and she doesn't know? And she nodded. Needless to say, it was super powerful. Anyway, her sisters were swimming over at the neighbor's pool, and um, Zoe wanted to go, obviously, and I wouldn't let her while she was terrorizing her sister. So, um, so I was like, you want to go swim? Now you can go swim. So as she's like out the door, she gets back into blaming mode and she's like, you know, you know, Maya's been there all day and she didn't get punished. And, uh, and I said, whoa, Zoe, we can't have your, you go over there as your blaming part because like, then you're just going to start to terrorize Maya in the pool. And um, she looked at me and she went, she took her blaming part out of herself. She left it in the hallway. And I said, oh, so you're back to being Zoe now? And she went, she left. It was the most brilliant thing. And my curiosity about whether this parts work stuff that I'm doing with myself would work with her, she was all about it. She was so, she had like childlike excitement about these parts that I was naming and I was nailing them. She has a terrorist part and she has a blaming part. And I also talked about her wounded inner, inner little girl. Those parts are just protecting a wounded inner little girl. And I said, that little girl feels like nobody listens to her. Nobody sees her. That it's not fair. That Maya gets everything better than her. And that she's just not seen and not heard and not loved. And she just nodded. I am so excited and so curious about how this Brightline Freedom course is going to transform my life and the life of my kids. So that is the end of curiosity part two. I invite you to be curious too. Just curious. Because amazing things seem to happen when we stay in a state of curiosity about what's going to happen next and what's true and what's real, what's inside us, what's inside them. Just curious. And that's the weekly vlog. I'll see you next week.